So we have two relatively short passages to read this morning. Uh, the first one is in Luke, Luke 18, 9 to 14. And then we move to Philippians, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So first we read from Luke, 9 through 14. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even that tax collector over there. Twice a week, I fast, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then a few books back to Philippians. Philippians... Uh, all right, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. So, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who, being in every nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every, name, every, knee, sorry, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words read. And we pray that through your Holy Spirit, those words may impact us. And that the reflection on those words will be used by the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I first met this fella as I was working on my evening message that first Sunday in December in my first year as an ordained pastor. And as the newbie, I was, I, I was, I was privileged to give that message at our community-wide carol fest. And I was quite nervous about it. And then he walked in, like he owned the place. He introduced himself. And I realized that I had heard that name before I met him. This was a person non grata in our community. Yet I didn't dismiss him too quickly, so, so I asked him, well, what brings you here today? He didn't really answer my question. He began to preach to me. He says, you Christians, you don't live up to your Christian religion. He says, you talk all the right talk, but then, then you forget to do what you say. You're, you're supposed to care about the poor and the needy, but you don't. You're, you're, you're supposed to look out for the weak, but you only look out for yourself, he says. And then he began to play Christian bingo with me. He, he, he talked of some of the local pastors, including my predecessor, Michael Bootsma. He said, Bootsma, uh, uh, that's a good man. He's often helped me. And then he asked me where I was from. When I told him I was from Alberta, he, he, he said he knew quite a few pastors, even in the Christian Reformed Church in Alberta. And, and he started naming some of them, and I, yeah, recognized some of those names. And he even named Peter Tuninga in Leduc, Alberta, my mom's pastor, the pastor of my home congregation. But I still didn't know why he was there that Sunday afternoon. And I was starting to look at my watch, and I had already told him that I was working on my evening message, and I, it, it still needed a lot of work. So I was getting quite antsy. I, I asked him, well, what can I do for you? But he continued to talk about Christians who didn't care for those who needed help. Apparently, he's one of those people. And so it dawned on me, perhaps he's looking for help right now. I knew that I didn't have much in my wallet, and besides, how much help would a little bit be? Like a $10 bill doesn't go very far these days. Finally, he said he could use a ride. He had already slept over in Blenheim for one night, and he needed to be on the move so that by the time it got really cold, he would be near a good place to stay. So I said, well, maybe I can take you a little way, but, but, but I have to be back in plenty of time to finish my message for this evening. He started to name some of the towns, the small towns near Highway 3, the main old highway that, that goes around the lakes of Ontario. But I didn't know any of those names. 
Finally, he says, oh, take me to Rodney. That's, that's not too far. And I, I know somebody there. So with some impatience, I said, oh, let's go. I, I took him right to Rodney and hurried back to finish my message. And yet, I didn't feel too good about things. It was cold. It was freezing. It was beginning to snow. And it would be dark soon. And I hope that he found the help that he needed. I saw him numerous times after that first time. And the next time I saw him, I just wanted to cut through all this talk about churches and Christians and governments that don't help people. I just wanted to get him to his motel so he could stay there for the night. A third time I saw him. He again wondered, why is there so few people willing to help him? And my impatience with him showed the way that I answered him. I, I told him, well, you know, people get giving fatigue, giving fatigue. I, I told him that people are perfectly willing to help someone if they think it will make a difference. If they think it will get a person on their feet so that they don't need help anymore afterwards. See, I wanted him to get off his roller coaster and chains already. You know, it's, it's true. I felt superior to him. I kind of felt, that I had this feeling that I had things together and he didn't. And instead of trying to find a way to help him, I felt more like lecturing him. I felt like him telling him to, to pick up his own bootstraps. And I think many of us feel that way. Sometimes we feel like we're better than other people. Sometimes we feel that if those other people were just a little bit more like us, then they wouldn't have all the troubles they have. After all, most of us have worked hard in our lives. M many of us have worked hard in school to learn what we needed to get on in life. We worked hard after school to, to establish ourselves in our businesses, in our careers, in farms, in our households of plenty. And yes, we're pretty good Christians too. We seek to do God's will in our lives. And we try very hard not to break his law, at least not the important commandments. And we work hard to send our kids to the right schools and to build our churches. 
And then when we look back in our lives, we see we did pretty well, didn't we? We've done better than some of these others, haven't we? Especially that fellow that keeps coming around asking for help. Sometimes it is easy for us Christians to think that somehow we're better than other people. And, and, and perhaps because we are better than other people, we deserve God's favor. And so sometimes we look down on the other people. And it's with people like us in mind that Jesus tells his parable where he says two people went to the temple to pray. Now just allow me a little bit of leeway to put this into a little bit more modern context. Two people went to church to pray. The first one was a saintly man. He had dedicated his entire life to godly living. He prayed, he read the Bible at every mealtime, he sent his kids to Christian schools, he made sure they knew the Ten Commandments by heart, and he made sure that he kept those commandments. He saw what the average person gave to the church budget and he made sure that he gave at least twice that. And he gave a tenth of all his income to, that he earned to charities. And not just from his net income, the so-called taxable income, but from his gross income. No one would be able to say that he didn't give enough. No, this first person was in every way a model Christian. Someone you can look up to. Second person was no example to anyone. She barely dared to step inside the four walls of a church. In our par parables, he was a tax collector, the bottom, the very bottom of the totem pole in the days of Jesus and his disciples. She probably had some bad habits. Maybe it was drug use. Maybe it was alcoholism. Maybe it was gambling. And she did whatever she, it took to make sure that, it, that she had some food each day. And some of those ways probably weren't proper. I'm sure that if we met her, we wouldn't think too highly of her. So the first person went to the church to pray. It says in our text, he stood up and he prayed about himself and so he did. He stands up and he speaks to God. God, I thank you so much that I'm not like so many other people. I thank you that I'm not a drug user or an alcoholic. I thank you that I'm not like some of these evildoers who fail to recognize you as Lord over their lives. I thank you 
that I have such a good line of work that I have plenty to feed my family. I thank you that I don't have to do something that is despicable to earn my money. Like those people that work at those payday loan companies or those people that work for Revenue Canada. I thank you that I'm faithful to my wife and, and not like this woman here or, or this man there who are not nearly as faithful as I am. I thank you that I am able to keep most of the commandments to the letter. I thank you that I'm able to give so much more than others. I thank you that I have such a good devotional life that I pray at every mealtime and sometimes I fast so I can spend that time in prayer. And even after coming to church in the morning, I go and listen to some other pastors in, on TV or on the computer afterwards. And I'm sure that most of us are pretty thankful for the lives we have. Yeah, we might look around and see one or two people that are doing better than us. But when we look around, we can find people that have it much, much worse than us. And so in many ways, we're not that different from that first person who prayed. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't thank God for things that we have. But sometimes our, our prayers of thanks sound a little bit like bragging. Sometimes we begin to think that we are better than other people. Yet Jesus tells us that this person did not go home that day justified before God. This saintly person, this model Christian, did not receive God's grace that Sunday. All his righteousness did nothing to make him right with God. Our righteousness... No, no matter how righteous we think we are, does not make us right with God. So we may wonder, if a super righteous person can't make himself right with God, then who possibly can? That's why Jesus tells us about the prayer of this other person. This other person doesn't dare look anyone in the eyes in church. The, this other person makes herself look invisible. She doesn't even dare to lift up her eyes. Because that's how people prayed in those days, you know. They lifted their eyes and even their hands up to God. They raised their voice to God when they prayed. But this person doesn't dare let anyone know that she is praying. She simply looks at the floor and says quietly, 
God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's all she says. I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you. Have mercy on me. Sometimes we can't identify with this poor second person. But I think we need to. We are so much like that second person. We, too, are sinners. Whether we live in a beautiful palatial home or in one of the lowliest rental apartments, we, too, are sinners. And I think of how I looked at a man who came to the Blenheim Church all those times, and I know I didn't treat him well. And I'm sure you can think of things that you have done that hurt someone else. I'm sure that you can think of a time that you treated God merely as someone to do your bidding, merely as someone to answer your prayers. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And and Jesus tells us that the second person who was looked down upon by every last person listening to Jesus' story, this person went home justified. This person was made right with God. You see, our righteousness doesn't make anyone right with God. Only God's mercy, God's grace can make anyone right with Him. And I think that has so many implications. Today we're going to hear from somebody who has been in a mission field. And and sometimes we just think, oh, those poor people there in the mission field, they really need God, right? And if we think that way, we're probably going to fail to reach out to them. But if you come there and say, I'm like you. I'm a person in need of God's mercy. then we look at the person that we're talking to in a totally different way. Then we don't see that, oh, that poor beggar again. No. Someone like me. And Jesus says something else. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it applies to the people in our parable. It applies to us. But more 
importantly, it reminds me of what Jesus did himself. It reminds me of that passage and the the preceding part of that passage that in Philippians that we read this morning. Right before the passage that was read to us, we hear these words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then Paul brings us this great early hymn about our Lord Jesus, who was in his very nature God, and yet this Lord, God, made himself almost nothing, taking on our human nature, becoming a servant to all. He even humbled himself to death, and not just death, but death in the worst possible way on a cross. And it is this humbling of himself which leads the Father to exalt him to the very highest place. Now the Christians for whom he died proclaim him as Lord and someday every tongue will proclaim him Lord. It is awesome. Jesus tells us, that the second person went home, made right with God. It was as if she has never done anything wrong, as if she had lived her life as well as Jesus himself. For Jesus says, everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. Everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. See, it is God's mercy, not our righteousness, that makes us right with God. Will we seek today God's mercy for our salvation? And more importantly, will we trust Him for His mercy? If we do, then we can live our lives Lives of gratitude to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the life he lived. We thank you for the death he died. And we thank you that he has been raised and exalted to your throne. May each of us recognize that we too are sinners in need of your forgiveness. And may we respond to your forgiveness with saintly lives. Amen.